Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Brawls in training camp joint practices. <laughs> the best player in the National Football League. The best. He's a defensive player. His name's Aaron Donald. Swinging helmets in a joint practice. Woo! The season's about to kick off. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one. Raymond Parch the third. I'm joined here inside the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We have a jam-packed Friday edition of the show to deliver to you today. Got five guests. Five. That's how we're going to get you ready for the weekend. The first weekend of college football, the last weekend of the NFL preseason. Tour Championship Weekend. Strohs continue rolling right along. Jamboree Weekend for high school football. Oh, man, we're going to touch on all of it. Hour from right now. Our friend James Yasko from the Lima Time Time Podcast and the Houston Chronicle will join us talking all things Strohs. They completed the sweep of Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins last night there at Minute Maid Ballpark. And they gear up for a key three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles who are fighting to get into the playoffs as well. So another good series for the Houston Astros. So we'll talk all things Strohs with James Yasko at straight up 7 o'clock. At 7.30, we'll talk to our friend Hunter Bauer from gopreps.com. We've previewed Class 1A, Class 2A last week while I was in Chicago. Jim Gazzolo and he did classes 3A and 4A. We're going to finish off things with class 5A preview for high school football and touch on a couple other topics for the upcoming season. At 8 o'clock, we'll keep the high school football talk rolling right along as Travis Blaze joins us from Westminster Christian Academy, the head football coach. They have their jamboree tonight. They're coming off a great season, but they're looking for even bigger things in 2022. At 8.15, Nick Fondo, the final cashing tickets segment. That's right. Our good friend will give you some sports bets for the weekend. That'll be at 8.15. And at 8.30, John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated will join us to talk things (laughs) all black and gold as the Saints gear up for their final preseason game tonight inside the Caesar Superdome. That'll be the Big Easy Blitz. Jam-packed, jam-packed edition of RP3 and Company. Plus, we'll unveil the Game Changer of the Week phone call later on in today's show as well. 
But we're going to start off talking Saints. What are you looking for tonight? What are you wanting to see? You're probably going to see limited snaps for the starters, if at all. Jameis Winston says he wants to play. Whether or not the Saints are going to let him play tonight is a different discussion. But what are you wanting to see? The result doesn't matter, right? It's a preseason game. But there are some interesting aspects to this game that I'm looking to, looking for. Let's start on the defensive side of the football. This team will be led by its defense during the 2022 season. Dennis Allen is now their head coach, and they're loaded on that side of the football. And in addition to having the likes of Cam Jordan and David Onyemata and Marcus Davenport and Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, they added Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, and others. But there's still some question marks. I'd like to see some more consistent play tonight from Peyton Turner, the second-year player, defensive lineman out of the University of Houston. He showed flashes last year, but injuries and a lack of consistency marred his rookie campaign. And he's been, let's be honest, inconsistent during training camp and preseason. What are we going to see from Peyton Turner tonight in the preseason game? That's number one. Number two, who's going to get the reps and seize the opportunity to be the other starting linebacker in the Saints, essentially 4-2-5 defense? DeMario is an all-pro. And Pete Werner is the guy that they want to be there. The problem for Pete Werner, he's banged up. He may not be able to start the season. So who's going to take the opportunity tonight inside the Superdome, sold out preseason game, by the way? Who's going to take that opportunity? Is it Bostic, who they signed a couple weeks ago? Is it Chase Hansen, who's come on during preseason? Who's going to take advantage of the opportunity to earn a roster spot as maybe a starting linebacker or at least the primary backup? And then you go to the secondary. Lots of guys. Not enough roster spots. Is Brandon Roby in danger of not making the team? Remember, he was the big pickup last year. Really haven't called his name a lot. Heard it during preseason or during training camp. Because you got Lattimore and Paulson Adebo, your one-two starting corners. You know, they're going to keep P.J. Williams because he can play corner and safety. They like the versatility. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is your slot guy. You got Marcus May, Tyron Matthew as your safeties. You drafted the young man out of Tennessee, Alante Taylor. He's versatile as well, can play corner or safety. Daniel Sorensen may be the odd man out who you brought in from the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe. There's an abundance of wealth across the defensive line and at DB for the Saints. So much so that I started seeing reports yesterday evening that teams have been calling the Saints about their abundance of talent across the defensive line, across the back end of the defense, and at wide receiver. How funny is that? 
that a team that was decimated at wide receiver last year now has so many guys that teams are actually calling to see what the availability is for certain players. So that's what I want to see on defense. Peyton Turner, how many reps is he going to get? Is he going to be consistent? Is he going to show some dominance? Which one of these backup linebackers, whether it's Bostic or Hanson or whoever it may be, who's going to seize the opportunity presented them with Pete Warner being banged up? And who's going to be the odd man left out on the back end of the defense? Feels like it's going to be Daniel Sorensen or Roby because there's only so many roster spots. Let's flip it over to the offense. Want to see more of the continuation of Trevor Penning's development from the first preseason game to preseason game number two. He's got an attitude about him. He's an old school mauler, right? That's what he is. How's he going to do against the Chargers? Ones or twos. More than likely twos, probably even threes. Once again, the end result is irrelevant. It's how is Trevor Penning going to look? I'd like to see that. Like to see Young, one of the backup offensive linemen as well, play with consistency. That's going to make you feel a little bit better about the Saints' depth across the offensive line. So I want to see Penning continue to develop. I want to see Landon Young continue to develop across the offensive line. I don't need to see anything from the quarterbacks. I, I really don't. Jameis Winston wants to play. I feel like they're probably not going to let him play and let him just continue to rest for the opener. But you just want to see some, you know, you don't want to see overthrows or anything like this. Probably a great opportunity for, I hate to say it, Ian Book. Jameis and Andy Dalton will more than likely be limited to one series if they play at all. So Ian Book will essentially have a full game, yet again, to prove that he belongs on the 53-man roster. I've said it before, don't be surprised if the Saints only carry two quarterbacks this season. Winston and Dalton on the roster. Ian Book's only a second-year player. You could put him on the practice squad. If it means having an additional wide receiver or an additional DB or additional D lineman on the 53-man roster, Ian Book gets to go on the practice squad. But if I'm a Saints fan tonight, I want to see him get more reps and see if he's going to continue the two-turnover average that he's displayed in his career. So Penning, Young across the offensive line, Ian Book at quarterback, running back, Abram Smith, Tony Jones Jr. You know what you're going to get out of Alvin Kamara. You know what you're going to get out of Mark Ingram. You don't need to see those guys. You just don't. Tony has looked really good in the preseason and during camp. The young man out of Baylor, Abram Smith, feels like he's the fourth running back. They paid him the quarter of a million dollars as an undrafted rookie. He'll have an opportunity to prove that he belongs as the fourth running back. 
And then, of course, it's wide receiver, right? That's the battle that we've been paying attention to. You know your top four are locked in. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, and Deontay Harty. Well, that's good. How's the rest? Kirk Merritt can play running back and wide receiver. They've started lining him up at running back as well. He's going to serve in the kind of that Ty Montgomery role. Marquez Callaway feels like he's the number five wide receiver on this team. It's the guy that led the team in receiving last year. How's Traquan Smith going to play tonight? How's DeJon Dixon, the former Nichols star, the undrafted rookie who's been balling out in training camp and in the preseason? Callaway, Traquan Smith, want to see what these backup wide receivers do because tonight's game is going to be, view it as this, tonight's game is going to be the final audition, if you will, for a lot of these guys to prove to Dennis Allen and the coaching staff that they belong on the 53-man roster. A mistake tonight by these guys that are battling to be the number three at this position or the number four at this position on the depth chart, a mistake, a blunder, will get you cut. Even if you play average, it could get you cut. Tonight is going to be an opportunity for these guys to lock up a roster spot for this season. So that's what I'm looking forward to tonight for the Saints' final preseason game against the Los Angeles Chargers inside the sold-out Caesars Superdome. we got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we'll dive into that brawl between the two teams that played for the Super Bowl last year. I'll be coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match for sports talk love that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, nothing like a good old-fashioned melee coming out of a joint practice session during NFL training camp. That's what occurred yesterday. The practice, the final joint practice between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last year, ended in fisticuffs. So much so that they had to step in and just end practice, and that's end of it. Now, typically, you won't see this with two teams that are have this type of star power. But yet, here we are. <laughs> yet, yet, here we are. First team defense, first team offense. First team offense out there for the Bengals. 
Joey B, Jamar Chase, the whole nine yards. And practices have been a little contentious as it is. Earlier in the week, Thaddeus Moss laid a block on a defender, hurt his knee. So things have been chippy all week as it is. But Collins, the big free agent acquisition for the Bengals to help shore up their offensive line so Joe Burrow won't be murdered in the next two years, did not take kindly to the Rams defensive player wrapping his arms around him and around his chest a few seconds after Joe Mixon was already running downfield, the running back for the Bengals. So Collins didn't care for that. So he started swinging punches once he was free. This, of course, sparked a massive brawl with whistles and flags from the officiating crew because the joint practices do have officials. The The coaches like having that because it simulates the game. Multiple helmets were removed. <laughs> A Cincinnati Enquirer photographer Spotted Rams defensive tackle and the best player in the National Football League, Aaron Donald. Wielding a Bengals helmet in each of his massive hands. And afterwards, a video, and you can find it on social media, starts circulating of him allegedly taking the helmet and swinging it multiple times. We believe it's him. During the scrum. Aaron Donald is a big, scary man. He's the best defensive player of his generation. He's the best player in the NFL. The most feared defender in the NFL. And if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals lineman or just a player out there in the scrum, and I see angry dog on a chain in a junkyard Aaron Donald with two helmets in his hands I'm fairly for certain I just I'll speak for myself I'm fairly for certain I'm going to make sure that there's at least a dozen people between myself and angry Aaron Donald like that's just not the guy you want to be dealing with when he's angry he plays with a veracity to begin with. And you done made him so angry that he has two bangle helmets in each. He has a bangle hem, helmet in each hand and he is ready to swing. Woo! Things getting chippy final week of the preseason. These guys are ready to play. These guys are raring to go. Now, Aaron Donald's built that way. He's always ready to go, which is why he's the best defensive player in the league and which is why he's the best player, period, because he's built differently than most guys. And if I'm a Rams fan, I like this. I like the fact that my team is playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I like they're out there ready to get down and ready to brawl. And I know some of you are going to, Chirp up. RP3. You gotta, you're a pro. You gotta act like a pro. You're gonna jeopardize your team. Well, here's the little thing. 
NFL does not punish players for shenanigans that take place during joint practices, by the way. Now, if this was a game, Roger Goodell, the shield, steps in, lays out punishment. But the NFL has had a long-standing policy that they allow the individual teams and not the league itself to be responsible for imposing discipline for conduct of players during practices, including joint practices. So if there's going to be any punishment here for the brawl that took place in Cincinnati during the joint practices between the Bengals and the Rams, it's going to be punishment doled out from those teams. Do you think the teams are going to punish themselves? Do you think the Los Angeles Rams are going to punish their best player, Aaron Donald? Do you think that's going to happen? No, it's not. Rams coach Sean McVay said earlier that he didn't want to make a big deal of the brawl and said in some instances it was just two teams defending each other. Both coaches spoke to wanting to be safe and wanting to get the proper amount of work in. Quote, I just see guys swinging and some guys have helmets on, some don't. There's a scrum. You just never know what can occur. And my biggest concern is just unnecessary injuries for people that we're counting on, whether it's for our team or the other team, end quote. Bengals coach Zach Taylor said afterwards, it just got a little scuffly, end quote. The coaches don't care. Coaches secretly like this. They don't want anyone to get hurt. But coaches like their guys playing with a chip on their shoulder. They like their guys playing with an edge as long as it doesn't get out of control. No one got injured. No one got seriously hurt. A lot of the brawl was, hold me back, bro. Which is my favorite. Now, the NBA has mastered the hold me back, bro. NFL guys, you know. They'll put hands on. But there you go. NFL, man. They're ready to go. Ready to get after it. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, Houston Astros. Carlos Correa came back to town, had a nice little tribute video for him the other day, didn't they? And then they promptly swept his new team three-game sweep for the Strohs. And now they welcome in the Baltimore Orioles. We'll break it down. We'll talk some Houston Astros baseball next here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or hips or back, especially this time of year? Look, you need to be moving pain-free, am I right? It's Raymond Parts III for the team at QC Kinetics. Look, QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue. No drugs, no steroids, and no surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is an exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics for a free consultation today. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Poll question of the day. It's time to unveil it. It's a busy weekend. Jamborees for high school football. Opening weekend for college football. Week zero nonsense, if you will. But still, college football games. NFL preseason wraps up. Major League Baseball pennant races are in full effect. Oh, and not to mention the Tour Championship is going on. So our poll question of the day is, what are you watching this weekend? Are you watching the Tour Championship for the PGA Tour? Scotty Scheffler put on quite the show yesterday. Are you watching the final Saints preseason game tonight against the Los Angeles Chargers? Are you watching any of this really good Orioles Astro series? That's what I expect it to be at Minute Maid Park this weekend. Or are you watching college football week zero? That's our poll question of the day. We want to hear from you. Go leave your votes. Go leave your comments, rather, on Facebook and Twitter. But go vote. Right now, leading the way, it's a tie. Saints preseason finale against the Chargers, 30% of the vote. Also, 30% of the vote goes to the college football opening weekend. 20% of the vote for Orioles-Astros and another 20% for the Tour Championship. Lots of opportunities this weekend. Let's get to some, some of the comments. Hart on Twitter says, I'd really like to see the Saints ones get at least a series on either side of the football. Not necessarily going to happen, but would be good to see the potential of talent put on film. Here's to wishful thinking. Tom, though, says, hey, bud, I don't really want my ones on the field for any more than one series, but I agree. They need at least a taste of game speed. I want to see how Jabo bounces back from a hit and how Thomas flows through his routes. Not worried about Juice or Alave, though. They're gravy, baby. They're gravy, baby. Don says, I will also be watching, checks notes, the back of my eyelids. I may see if I can't watch a little Stroh's O's, possibly some week zero. Definitely not golf or preseason. Yeah, this is also the final weekend to charge those batteries and get you prepared for the gauntlet that's going to be the next four months where there's going to be thrilling College football and NFL every single weekend. 
John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I will watch the Saints game, but I'll also be sneaking in some college football. It's football time. And I'll be watching some college football this weekend as well. Once again, I don't quite understand why Nebraska is playing Northwestern in Ireland, but I'll probably watch a little bit of that. Steve, our buddy Salty Steve, is in a good mood because it's Friday. It's no salt Friday. Hashtag. He's sharing a gif of a dancing baby. With the caption, football, all caps. (laughs) Oh, man. Brody says, how can y'all forget the Little League World Series championship games? I'm not the hugest Little League World Series guy. A lot of my friends are. It's just not. It's just not my thing. I love baseball. It's just not my thing. I'll watch some highlights, but I'm not going to sit down and spend hours watching the Little League World Series. Hazlitt, Texas, Raging Cajun. College football. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What are you watching this weekend? Let's talk a little Astros while we have a few minutes here. Minnesota Twins come to town. The Twinkies are fighting, fighting to get into the postseason. Guardians seem to have a lock on the division lead in the American League Central. White Sox Twins are battling to try to stay in contention because here's the deal. If you don't win the division, you're more than likely not going to make the postseason. It appears that two teams from the AL East, more than likely right now, the Blue Jays and the Rays are in there, and Seattle is in there as the three wildcard teams. Baltimore is lurking just right outside to get in. And then there's a few game separation. So for the White Sox, Twins, and Guardians, they have to win the division And if you don't win the division, then you're not going to be in the postseason. That's just how the AL Central is this year. It's not the most talented division, but you could argue it may be the most competitive or one of the most competitive. Strohs, though, showed their former teammate in his new team no mercy. (laughs) None. And rightfully so. They had the nice little tribute video for Carlos. Gave him a standing ovation. Some of the former players talked to him before the game or after the game. That's great. We got nothing but love for you, Carlos. You go get yours, bud. We'll always be friends. And now we're going to go out here and sweep your team. 6-3 victory yesterday for the Strohs after a couple of games where Houston's bullpen decided Let's make things interesting and give up runs in the final frame of the game. The bullpen pitched cleanly in last night's win. Didn't give up any runs late, which was great. Luis Garcia picked up his 11th win of the season. He was okay. Not great, but he got the job done. Five innings giving up three runs on five hits. 
He did strike out five, only walked one. So he was okay. It was a pretty good performance. And then you got good effort from your bullpen because you pitched four different guys out of the pen. Smith, Madden, Naris, and Montero. And they all came in and they combined. Those four pitchers combined to give up no runs, only two hits, and they struck out five and didn't walk a single batter. That's the best bullpen in baseball making an appearance. That's the bullpen that we've seen for the majority of the season, except for here in the month of August, where all of a sudden they've gotten a little sideways and they come into games and give up three hits and two runs on average. And it's also good to see that type of performance. When your closer, Ryan Presley, has to go on the IL, that happened yesterday. He's got a minor injury, so he's going to go on the 15-day IL. And then the other guy stepped up and pitched four clean innings. That's what you want to see. Once again, the biggest worry for the Strohs has been their bullpen in the month of August. That could be because it's the dog days of summer. It could be because of the condensed season. It could just be because it's baseball. The ebbs and flows of a 162-game regular season. But it was good to see that the Astros' bullpen did what they were supposed to do and pitch well. Jose Altuve had himself a night at the dish, 3-for-3 with a run scored. He also drew a walk. Yuli Gurriel, hello, two for four. His average is now up to 248. Look, it's not going to get back up to what it was last season when he was the American League batting champion. But if Yuli could get his average up to maybe 265, now you don't have a weakness in that lineup. Jorn Alvarez, though, still in this little bit of this mini slump that he's experiencing. He was 0 for 4 at the dish. But Bregman continues playing like the old MVP candidate, the old Alex Bregman with all the swag. 2 for 3, three runs scored, also drew a walk. He's now batting 267 on the season. And, of course, Trey Mancini. Only got one hit, but boy, it mattered. Three-run blast. Strohs win 6-3. They now welcome in the Baltimore Orioles. The O's have been playing some of the best baseball of any team. Of any team. This is going to be a good series for Houston. Lance McCullers Jr. will be taking the bump tonight for that game. You can, of course, hear it, listen to it live right here on the game as the Strohs take on the O's 7-10 first pitch. But you look at the standings. Houston's now 81-45, best record in the American League by a handful of games over the Yankees. The Central Division, as I mentioned earlier, Guardians hold a four-game lead over the Twins and the White Sox. Twins and the White Sox are exactly four games back. 
But you look at the standings for the wild card in Baltimore after a sluggish start for the O's. They came out the gate slow. Tampa Bay and Toronto are 1-2. They have a game and a half and a game up on Seattle. But the Mariners are firmly there in the number three spot with a 68-57 and record. But right behind them is the, are the Orioles. The Orioles are only two and a half games. Seattle's got to worry about Baltimore breathing down their necks. As does Toronto, because Toronto, <clears throat> after experiencing a lull for most of August, they're now seven and three in their last ten. Seattle, respectable six and four. Baltimore's right there with them. That's going to be intriguing for that final wild card spot. So the series me is going to mean more for Baltimore because they can make up some ground here, but the Orioles are playing really good baseball. And they're fighting to get into the playoffs, just like Minnesota did. But the Astros swept the Twins. Can they do the same for the O's? Can they just win the series? And can Seattle or Toronto hold off the charging Baltimore Orioles the last month of the season for that final wall card spot? be interesting to see how it all pans out. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one. We'll get you set up for hour number two here in RP3 and Company. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to help you out with your date night blues, fellas. Listen up. Got to go become a member of our rewards club. Go sign up today. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. Oh, boom. Right there. Seriously. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. We even have a video showing you how to do it at our website at 1037thegame.com. Once you become a member, we're going to hook you up. Give you the opportunity to score free stuff to help with those date night blues, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're all there available for you to win in our clubhouse rewards. But you got to sign up. Once again, we can't help you with your date night blues if you don't help yourself by going to sign up for our rewards club. Go do so today. It's simple. It's free. It's easy. Tour Championship teed off yesterday. Scotty Scheffler, he put on quite the performance. 15 under par, round 165. Our guy has a five-stroke lead after round number one there at the Tour Championship, which caps, of course, the PGA Tour season. They're playing there at the Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta. So Scotty's got the five-stroke league. Behind him, Xander Shoffley. He shot 10 under. Matt Fitzpatrick, 9 under. The defending tour champion, the man who won it last year, Patrick Cantlay is at 8 under. Roy McIlroy tied for 7. He's 7 under. Cameron Smith, 7 under. Sam Burns, former LSU Tiger, 6 under along with John Rahm. 
and Cameron Young and Justin Thomas, just to name a few. Second round action will tee off middle of this morning. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the weekend as the PGA Tour wraps up its season with the Tour Championship there in Atlanta. Hour number one is done, but not to worry. Hour number two has arrived, and we'll kick it off with James Yasko talking all things Houston Astros baseball. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, here we are giving you some sunshine on a cloudy, dreary, rainy day yet again it seems like it's rained for i don't know a month it hasn't but it sure does feel that way sure does feel that way but we're going to try to lift your spirits on yet another dreary rainy day here in southwest louisiana first hour in the books we covered a lot of ground talk new orleans saints gearing up for their final preseason game tonight against the los angeles chargers We touched on the tour championship. It teed off yesterday in Atlanta, and Scotty Scheffler decided to go, "Eh, you know what, I'm going to dominate this whole thing. (laughs) Has a five-stroke lead after the first round. College football opens up this weekend with week zero. Can't wait for that Florida State-Duquesne game to follow along on Twitter. It's not great matchups. But I did see that Hawaii Vandy is sold out. So good for them. Good for them. Huh? Good for the Rainbow Warriors and the Commodores. Or they just call themselves the Warriors these days. No longer Rainbow Warriors, I do believe. And of course, we also talked about the Houston Astros sweeping Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins. To talk more Astros is our first guest on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. He is the co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast. He's also a heralded contributor for the Houston Chronicle. James Yasko joins us now. James, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Good morning and welcome back from your gap year. It's nice to have you back. (laughs) My gap year. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, bud, um, you should be thanking me. Uh, I saw your Astros play the Chicago White Sox and I feel like I deserve some credit for being in attendance for that ball game and hell and they got the win and that turned around that series so I think you should be thanking me I, I absolutely I have not seen the Astros win in person since 2015 so so any any juju like that I'm, I'm more than willing to to sign up for hey by the way tickets for the Chicago White Sox a team contending for a playoff spot is going to cost you a robust eight dollars and fifty cents that's, that's good to know. That is good to know. How's that even allowed? I don't understand. 
<laughs> I went up. I'm seriously, Jay. I went up. I was like, man, I'm gonna have to spend some money here. I didn't. I didn't do any research online. I didn't use my ballpark app or anything like that. I did the old school. Take the taxi, drop me off, walk up to the ticket window, and the nice lady was like, "Oh, you want to buy a ticket?" She was somewhat surprised. So, <laughs> which was which I was like, "Oh, that's not a good sign." And I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "Well, where would you like a ticket?" I says, "Hey, just give me, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. I'll take whatever. What's the cheapest ticket you have?" And she goes, "Oh, it's only eight dollars and fifty cents, hun." And I was like, "Sold." <laughs> and I had I saw I saw I sent you the photo. It was good seats. I was behind home plate. Yeah, yeah, no, she. I, mean, I, I bet if you would have had like a box of envelopes, then she would have bartered you, uh, and and you would have gone old school medieval economy on it. Poor, poor, poor White Sox. They were just like, we're trying to give tickets away. It was, uh, it was, but it was, it was, it's actually a nice ballpark. Um, and it I is enjoy- a nice ballpark. Yeah, I've I've been to that ballpark. That is that is a nice ballpark. Um, so it was it was a good time. All right, bud. So last night. A great step in the right direction for the bullpen because no Presley, he's on the IL. Four guys come in, four guys pitch clean innings. That's been a long time since we've seen that happen because Major League Baseball's best bullpen, when the calendar turned to August, all of a sudden decided they wanted to give up runs and pairs when they got into the game. Do you think they can just push through this? This is just a blip on the radar. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got guys pitching that that they might make the postseason roster, but but they're not they're not going to get in the game unless unless the Astros are up or down by 12 to 15 runs. So it's this is the time of year that you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to stay sharp. Maybe you're working on a couple things, but but the of course, the results matter. But but do they really you know, it's it's. Uh, it's more important that you get regular work in uh, and and that you're healthy when when it goes from September to October. So what do you make of the poor performances they had? I mean, the first two games in this twin series, they did their best to give up the games when they got into the game. What is it about that you're seeing from a baseball perspective in the last three and a half weeks from the bullpen where you go, uh, what's going on? Exhaustion. Uh, just the sheer volume of games that the Astros have played since the All-Star break. I, I, I think they've had one day off since the All-Star break. Yeah, that was a um, Monday, so, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, when when you are, are when you are playing, you know, 28 games in 27 days uh, and there's travel involved, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a lot to ask. And I know that, that we look at, at any professional athlete and 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 say you know you 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 do that for free and when it when it comes to the actual details and the logistics of it uh it's it's actually incredibly hard and so you know i i know earlier in the summer you know i i ended up having to stay up all night and and it, it took me all summer to recover from that and and i i cannot sleep sitting up um you know, and it, and and it's it's just, you know, if, if you're on a plane until four o'clock in the morning, and then you've got to be at the ballpark at two thirty, you know, it, it just it just adds up. And so, you know, what we're seeing, I think, is just is just the demands of the schedule, and and less and less to do with with actual ability and success. Let's talk about the pitching staff. Verlander, phenomenal. Framer Valdez. 
look, Framer would be in the Cy Young conversation if he, you know, was a number one on another team. But he's the number two for the Astros, and he's having a sensational season, and and people kind of just ignore him. How do you like how the rotation is pitching overall right now as we wrap up the month of August? Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's 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 better than than I think any of us really expected it to be. I think I think most people thought Verlander would be okay this year, but I don't I don't know that anyone anyone would have predicted this, and I don't know that Justin Verlander would have predicted this. And so you know I, I think you're you're seeing a uh, with Verlander especially you're you're looking at a guy that is you know I, I think we all know that this might be his last year in Houston. I don't personally think that it will be. Um, but, but a guy that's totally committed to, to winning it all this year. And, and I think that that, you know, his, his ability to sort of mentor, you know, some of the younger guys in the rotation and, and just be a sort of a veteran stabilizing presence, not that, not, you know, the Astros are full of veterans by this point and postseason veterans, but, but I, I think that, that what we're seeing is, is, uh, you know, sort of Justin Verlander in that Dumbledore role where he's just sort of managing everybody. He's managing everyone. He's more than likely going to win the Cy Young. But for Astros fans, they they could care less about that, right? For the Astros fans, they just want to win the ultimate goal, which is winning the World Series. This pitching staff from front to back, starting rotation and bullpen, do you believe the Astros have the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball? And is the pitching staff that good that they can win a World Series? Yes and yes, um, you know, but but you you just never you just never know uh, which faceless NL East team is going to come and, and ruin <laughs> absolutely everything. You know, you got that the NL East is full of a, 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 it's twenty five guys that look like youth pastors, and and somehow you know they handle a rotation of Verlander, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. You know, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. So, but yes, I mean on you know. As we sit here, you know, front to back, the Astros pitching staff, uh, the rotation, especially, especially with like <clears throat> the Dodgers just lost Walker Bueller, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they've they've got Kershaw, but but I still I still would put the the Astros rotation up against the Dodgers. We're talking with James Yasko, co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast, as well as a contributor for the Houston Chronicle. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Alex Bregman sure does look like 2019 Alex Bregman again, and he's looked that way for the better part of a month. He has the kid, got healthy, and now he's got that Bregman swag once again. It sure does seem that way, James. Hitting 380 in August. I, I mean, know. that's you know, and and again, we're talking, we're not talking about you know, you, you know, you can it's it's what what's great about baseball is you can cherry pick whatever stat you want, you know, on on. You know, and, and we're not talking about, you know, since last Tuesday, Alex Bregman's hitting, hitting 380. You know, we just talked about the volume of games that the Astros are playing. Like, this is a substantial sample size that, that we're talking about. Uh, and, and it's not as though, you know, it's, it's the Astros playing, you know, the, the Pirates, you know, in, in 19 of, of those games. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're going up against a, a pretty decent schedule. So, I mean, it, Bregman's back. He's back. But this weird thing with the Astros, it always seems like this happens for them. When one guy is on fire, it just so happens to coincide with somebody else in a slump. 
and Alvarez is in a bit of a slump here the last few weeks. What's going on with the big fellow from Cuba? I, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't reasonably expect Alvarez to, you know, to put up, you know, Barry Bonds numbers, you know, I mean, that's, you know, he, he's still what is he, 20, 25, 26. Um, you know, the, there's going to be ebbs and flows, you know, and, and, you know, his, the, the concern over injury uh, is, is a reasonable and, and valid concern, but, and, but it, again, I, I think it's just, you know, it, it's, it's being tired, you know, and, and, and I think that once, I think he'll get locked in here, here pretty soon. Um, absolutely destroyed a baseball, you know, the, in, in the last week or so. So it's, it's going to come, it's going to come back, but it's, it's part of the ebbs and flows of the season. How do you think Mancini's made the adjustment? He had the 3-1 blast last night, but it seems like for him, feast or fathom, right? He'll go one night or a couple nights going 0 for 8, and then the next night he'll have a three-run bomb. Yeah, no, that's and that's that's just playing it's that's playing time. And for for whatever reason, you know, he's he's not he's not been an everyday presence in the lineup. And so if you're used to playing every day and then, you know, you play on it on Tuesday and then maybe the next time you play is on Friday, you know, it, it's going to take, it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment. I think what, what we saw the other night with, with Mancini hopping out of the dugout and rolling up his short sleeves, ready to take on all of Minnesota and I'm not just the twins, the entire state of Minnesota um you know that was that was that was good to see you know and I I think that you know he's he's endeared himself to Astros fans to the point where I think I think most Astros fans hope he comes back next year Jeremy Pena another great young player the rookie who replaced Carlos Correa you know he had such a great hot start at the plate he's cooled off a little bit um what do you think uh his role is going to be in this lineup Coming down the home stretch and for the postseason, I think he's gonna he's gonna be in the bottom of the lineup and and just they're they're gonna ask him to just get that experience and and soak it up, <coughs> excuse me, and and get a hit and turn the turn the lineup over. You know, I, I think that what we've we've seen out of Pena is the 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 league has readjusted uh, to to Pena, uh, and so it's it's on Pena now, and it seems like every. You know, if you want to get Jeremy Pena out, you throw him a breaking ball away. Yeah, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna swing at it, and and so um, he just needs to sort of make the correction to the correction and 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 get back to where he was. James, let's talk about the American League because the, the Shros are clearly the best team in the AL. The Yankees have faded a little bit, even though they've bounced back in the last five or six days. And I expect them to still be good enough to make a run in the postseason. Of the teams that are going to be in the mix, Yankees, Guardians, more than likely your division winners, Blue Jays, Rays, Mariners, as it stands right now in the wild card, Orioles are lurking. Who presents the biggest challenge, just from a matchup standpoint, for the Astros when it comes to the postseason? What's the, what's the team that you don't want to face? I mean – the second best team in the in the American League is clearly is clearly the Yankees, and you know they they're going to be. It, should that matchup occur, you know it's it's that that's a marquee matchup, and given how the the previous six games went between the Astros and Yankees, the Yankees are going to come in with with something to prove, <coughs> and they they have 
the pieces capable uh, of of doing of doing some real damage and 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 they have the not that you're looking for motivation come october everyone everyone has the same motivation but but given this the history between the two teams over the last seven years uh you know that that's that's going to be a that's going to be a dangerous matchup and you think it's going to be a dangerous matchup even with aaron boone as their skipper well he's a moron uh and that is that is that is very well established but uh, you know, I think I think any one of us could probably be named manager of the Yankees, and just given the talent on the roster, win ninety games. So you know, I, I don't know. You know, the his job is comes in in managing those personalities and managing egos. Um, yeah, even even with Aaron Boone, you know, despite Aaron Boone, I think the Yankees could could have some success. All right, one more for you, brother, before we let you go. Orioles have been playing really good baseball the last few months. They put themselves in contention to sneak into the wild card. Uh, what are they going to be the big challenges the O's are going to present this Astros team this coming weekend? I, I think the, the biggest challenge, and I think where Baltimore has had some success uh, is is that there you know no one gets jacked for for a, for playing Baltimore. Uh, you know, it's a it's a gorgeous ballpark, but you know, I, I think what what Baltimore has been able to take advantage of is people overlooking them, uh, and then they they sort of hop up and and punch you in the mouth, and and before you know it, you you drop two of three. So it's it's just a matter of taking and good for the Orioles. I mean, they've been through absolute hell. You know, them and their fans in the since 2016, really. Uh, and it's it's former you know their GM's a former Luno guy. So so it's it's good to see. I think baseball's better. It, baseball's better for it when when Baltimore is has a competitive team. James, we're better for having you on this show every week, brother. Sorry, we ran out of time for English Premier League soccer talk. Hopefully next week, though, bud. Hopefully we'll we'll put some time aside for that. I know, I know that it's 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 about to be a, a very fun time for for sports fans in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, but I promise it's, we, we, we will talk about the game that everyone's getting up for on Saturday, and that's the Leeds United Brighton game. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> Have a good weekend. You too, bud. That's James Yasko from the Leave Time Time podcast and contributor to the Houston Chronicle joining us here on RP3 and Company. We got to take a timeout. We'll update that poll question of the day next. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. You guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. 
You can also place the same game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team is going to get the win and which team's going to score first and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. That $200 is going to be issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply, so you got to see terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you, what are you watching this weekend? Tour Championship, PGA Tour wraps up their season. Once again, Scotty Scheffler has a five-stroke lead after round one there in Atlanta. Is it going to be the final preseason game for the New Orleans Saints? They take on the Los Angeles Chargers tonight inside a sold-out Caesar Superdome. Yes, a preseason game sold out. Is it the Orioles and Astros? Orioles are fighting to get into the playoffs. Astros have the best record in the American League. Should be a good matchup this weekend at the Big Juice Box. Or are you going to take part in college football's week zero? Nebraska Northwestern from Ireland. Hawaii versus Vanderbilt. Wyoming at Illinois. Those are your three marquee matchups of the weekend. Right now, leading the vote, 47% of you say college football week zero. We love college football. Even bad college football, we still watch it. We still want it. We still crave it. 28% of you say the Saints preseason game. 14% say tour championship. 11% say the Orioles-Astros series. Brad on Twitter says, Thanks to YouTube TV and ESPN Plus, all of week zero with main focus on Nebraska, Northwestern, L and Florida State, but also a couple series of the Saints. Yeah, Florida State's taking on Duquesne. Did you know Duquesne had a football program? No, now you do. That's going to be the Seminoles' warm-up before taking on LSU inside the Caesars Superdome a week from Sunday. Duquesne, what a warm-up. JPK, the OD, boy, football is back. And he shared a gif of a little girl being uh, a maniac after eating cotton candy. I can speak from experience. You give a small child cotton candy, they will act like a maniac. Yes. Over and over and over and over again. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Once again, what are you watching this weekend? Tour championship, Saints preseason game, Orioles, Astros, or college football week zero? We got to take a timeout. But when we return here on RP3 and Company... Hunter Bauer from GoPreps.com. We've been previewing high school football by classification the last few weeks. Today we'll wrap things up talking about Class 5A. That's right, Acadiana High, Karen Crow, Southside. We have them on our network of stations this coming season. Barb as well. Hunter will break it all down for us. That's coming up next right here on The Game. 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. High school football season will kick off next week. Jamborees, weather permitting, obviously, will continue to take place tonight throughout Acadiana and throughout southwest Louisiana. A couple weeks back, we started previewing the upcoming season with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com, the editor-in-chief, and he rejoins us once again here as we wrap up our season preview. Hunter, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Raymond, how's it going this morning? Uh, it's wet, muggy, and another tremendous <laughs> day of terrible weather. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. We've, we've gotten almost, uh, I think, seven inches of rain in the last three days here in Lake Charles. So it's been very soggy. Yeah, not optimal is, that, is the way I'd like to describe that. So... We've been uh, gearing up for the season. We've already touched on 1A, 2A. I know you did 3A and 4A with Jim Gazzolo last week when he filled in for me. So let's get right to 5A because whew, so many, so many great teams. And I want to focus in on yeah. the teams that we have on our network of stations because we broadcast Acadiana High, Karen Crow, Southside, and Barb on all of our stations. So let's start off with the Barb Buccaneers in your neck of the woods. Uh, they're going to be heard on the game 1041 Lake Charles all season long you know expectations it seems like are starting to get back on the rise finally after a couple of years following the hurricanes what are the expectations for the buccaneers this season yeah you know i i really think it's another year of just you know trying to improve trying to build back from you know the devastation left from hurricane laura and you know they had to sit out that that year because of all the damage in the area uh, but then, you know, 2021 was really a, a, a well, it was really a rebuilding year. And But you got to see um, playmakers like Jamal Levi and Will McClain come out and, uh, you know, really put on the show. Uh, Jamal Levi was the leading receiver in the state last year. He's coming back this year. But, you know, the Bucks they, they return uh, 14 total starters, seven on each side. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more experience there, uh, you know, a lot more uh, in, they've been together now for two years, which makes a whole difference, especially after sitting out for a whole year. Um, but I'll tell you what, up the district, um, you know, they got a, a, a pretty good non-district schedule. Um, you know, so it, only time will tell, um, especially with Karen Crow coming to the mix in, in this district now. But I think the Barb Bucks, they're going to be back. I think we'll see them in the playoffs, uh, you know, Will it? Will they be competing late November? Uh, again, only time will tell. But they definitely do have the weapons there to uh, to definitely make a run um, should they stay healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out with them. Yeah, Barb, because of how massive 3-5-A is now with the addition yeah. of, of Karen Crow, you know, they only have two games that are non-district games on the schedule. That's and that, right. of course, is LaGrange, who they're opening up with and then playing Pineville 
uh, there on, in week four. Let's stay in that neck of the woods and let's stay in that district. What about Sulphur? You know, I, I've seen them play over the years, the last few years, even saw them play the year after the hurricane or the season right after the hurricane when, when they were one of the few teams that actually got to play um, their season. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the, the Golden Tours? Yeah, you know, Sulphur's one of those teams that <clears throat> a lot of people have been talking about how they could, you know, actually, you know, be one of the teams from over this way that can uh, compete with, with the Acadianas and the, and the, and the Karen Crows. Uh, you know, Chris Towery always has his, uh, always has his squad ready to go, and, um, you know, they always have a, a, a good bit of talent over there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, uh, how they're able to compete again with the with the large district? They don't have a, a huge not. They don't have a lot of time to get ready for a, a district like that. So um, you know, I think it's going to take uh, a game or two for them to you know get their feet under them, uh, see what's going to happen. Uh, but you know, they did lose a, a little bit of talent from last year, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see um, how they replace them. Uh, but you know, hey look for sulfur to uh you know be in the mix there in that district uh and i tell you what to have those games against you know between sulfur and barb and sulfur and sam houston and things like that uh it's going to be good to see that again uh see those rivalries renewed once again so uh yeah i don't know time won't we tell for sulfur um i'll be interested to see how how chris towery is going to have his teams prepared uh really come week three when district starts you mentioned Sam. What about the Broncos? What are folks expecting to see out of them this year? Yeah, you know, Sam, I think they're going to be a little young this year. Uh, really a rebuilding year for them. Uh, you know, they're one of the schools that kind of struggled as well um, coming out of the uh, out of the hurricane. Uh, but I tell you what, their new coach, Chad Davis, he's not afraid to, uh, to, to get his team uh, – to go up against the best. I mean, they opened up the season with West Monroe last year and, uh, again, in a tough district. But, you know, they bring eight starters back on the offense. So, I think, again, there's going to be some uh, uh, um, some experience coming back. I think they're going to be able to roll uh, and, and do some good things on offense. Uh, you know, very motivated and uh, a young football team, but they're very motivated. Uh, I think they're just looking for a good bounce back, just like Barb and Sulphur are uh, from – you know, what they've been through the last two years. We're talking with Hunter Bauer. He's the editor-in-chief of GoPreps.com, all things Louisiana High School. We're previewing Class 5A, of course, huge district for us here in southwest Louisiana. Like I said, we'll be broadcasting Barb High School football games once again on the game 1041 Lake Charles. In that same district, though, we'll also be having Karen Crow High, the Golden Bears, after playing in 4A for the better part of a decade, the former Class 5A school is back up in 5A. Won a state championship a few years ago in Class 4A. What do you think the realistic expectations should be for Karen Crow as they're back in 5A yet again, Hunter? Yeah, you know, that's the strange, strange thing about Karen Crow is, you know, going into the season, you would think that they would have a, a very good shot coming off of, state championship two years ago to, to come in and compete 
I'm not I'm not going to say it's going to be much of a shell shock, but I think it's going to uh, just take them some time to get used to the uh, well one a large district, but two competing against you know some of the top teams uh, in the state come playoff time. Uh, but you know Tony Corva always has his team ready to go. Um, they they always got weapons. It's going to be interesting to see how they go up against in Acadiana, uh, you know, in the regular season. But you know, I think they they'll they'll play uh, Alexandria uh, in in non district, which is a really good test for them. Alexandria is always a good team. Uh, but I think this is going to be more of a uh, you know kind of an acclimation year for them, uh, getting used to class five A and 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 all the all the good teams that come in this class as well. Uh, whether they're on the select side or non-select side, which is, again, yet to be determined. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Karen Crow adjusts and if they can do it quickly. I do agree with you that there's going to be an adjustment for the Bears, but having played in a district with Westgate and St. Thomas More year in, year out, I, I think it's going to get them better prepared, and they were still playing Acadiana in non-district games. So I, I, I agree with you. It's going to be a transition year. But I, I think as the season progresses, I think you're going to see Karen Crow handle themselves uh, very well there, Hunter. Once again, Karen Crow High School football, as always, can be heard on Z1059 with the, the tag team duo of Blaine Viator and Ben Love on the call, as always. Let's stay in 3-5A because obviously it's the district for Acadiana and, and, and Lake Charles. Southside. <laughs> Uh, the, the Sharks have been competitive since creating their varsity football team. Uh, they've made the postseason. They've yet to kind of get over the hump. They're making some changes offensively in scheme and on defensively in scheme. It, it feels like a transition year for a very young program. Is that how you're reading the Sharks? Yeah, you know, seven returning starters on offense, but they're going to be very young on defense. The the offense is going to have to give, uh, uh, you know, it's going to have to take up most of the slack for the for those inexperienced players on defense to to, to really to get adjusted. Um, you know, I, I think special teams is going to play a big part into that as well. I think they're going to have to be, uh, you know, really good, uh, and then. Uh, they're going to have to be able to create big plays, I think. Uh, I think that's going to be the key early in the season uh, when, when Southside goes up against schools like Notre Dame and Cecilia, which, you know, two really good programs out of uh, out of district play. Uh, but, you know, Coach Fano, he has great senior leadership from what I've been able to, to get from him and, you know, several different players on both sides of the ball that, you know, he, he's going to try to rely on. Uh, I think that's going to be critical to, to their success. Um, but you know, again, a young program that that keeps building year in and year out. Uh, they keep having you know a little bit of success here, a little bit of success there. Um, so don't be surprised if they're you know up towards the top of the district standings uh, towards the end of the year and they're competing well. And uh, you know, to, again, time will only tell uh, for a program like that. It's so it's so difficult for a young program that started just a few years ago um, to become you know, one of the, you know, traditional dominant programs. But a school out like Southside, I think, has a, a unique opportunity to do that as long as they keep building to it. Um, I, like, again, they have plenty of weapons. So I think that uh, as long as they can stay healthy, uh, I think they'll have a fighting chance to uh, to be deep in the playoffs come November. 
Got to get over the hump, and this year they transitioned from having playing their home games at Turlings Catholic to now playing their home games at St. Martinville High School, which is actually closer to them uh, driving-wise, and they'll also keep playing on the artificial turf as the Tigers over there in St. Martin Parish have the artificial turf. Of course, you can listen to Southside High School football on Mustang 1071. Steve Pelican, that's right. Stevie P and our very own Matt Miguez will be on the calls for Southside High School football. All right, bud, let's talk about the Wrecking Rams. They're a perennial powerhouse. They're the cream of the crop. They're always really, really good. Yeah. What do you expect to see from Matt McCullough's team in 2022? Uh, more of the same. You know, uh, I think um, they're going to have to develop some depth on defense this year, which, you know, really is their, their forte. But, you know, offensively, they're also – really sound as well and they have a lot of speed at their their skill positions and uh you know up front on the on the o-line they're going to have a lot of experience coming back um you know i, I think depth is the key here if, if they can stay healthy look acadiana doesn't back down from anybody you know they got a, a season opener against lafayette christian and then in the middle of their district schedule um they're they're going to host john curtis which uh john curtis is always uh always uh, competitive year in and year out. Doesn't matter what their record is uh, during the season. They're always in the talk for a state championship over in, in Division One. But uh, you know, Acadiana is just really one of those programs that I think uh, they just they don't rebuild. They just reload and they reload with athlete after athlete after athlete. Um, they're one of those teams that are kind of on the. Well, I don't I don't think they're going to uh, I don't think they're going to uh, appeal their decision. I think they're going to be in Division One on the select side, so they're going to get a taste of it this year. They're going to get a taste of what it's like to go up against those those Catholic League teams. But I tell you what, I think they're going to hold their own, and uh, I think you you might be seeing Acadiana, if not in the semifinals, in the finals of that Division One bracket here this year. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the ones competing. Hunter, let's talk a little bit about a team that's not in District 3-5A or teams not in District 3-5A. By the way, Acadiana High can be heard on MeTV FM, 97.7 FM, 13.30 AM. Monty Hanks will be on the call. Nick Fondo will be the sideline reporter for Wreck and Rams football. Spent a lot of time this morning talking about 3-5A, rightfully so. Give me some teams outside of that district that are going to be in the mix in class 5a this year yeah well you know you can't talk about class 5a without talking about zachary and catholic out of baton rouge um both defending state champions from from the 5a in division one uh playoffs last year again another two of those teams that they don't rebuild they reload um with with great athletes year in year out uh you know zachary on the non-select side and then catholic in that select division that's going to be with acadiana uh, but then, you know, you've got a new member as well this year, and that's Edna Carr. And uh, they're one of the teams that are appealing their decision, so we don't know what side they're going to be on, but it doesn't matter what side they're going to be on. They're always going to be competing. Uh, they always have the athletes as well. As well. And uh, this is their first year in Class 5A, so we're going to really see how they, they play with the big boys, and I think they're going to play really well, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, being up in north northeast Louisiana, you've always got West Monroe and Ruston and Washita Parish. Uh, that are always competitive. Um, you know, I think West Monroe is going to be down a little bit this year, uh, but you can never count them out, never. And then Rustin, I think they're going to be loaded as well. You might see them 
uh, playing late in November. Um, and then, like I said, you can't you can't count out Alexandria. Uh, we're going to see what they look like against Karen Crow here in the next couple weeks. Um, and then down in the New Orleans area, again, you got John Curtis, you got Brother Martin, uh, you got Ponchatoula, and then also be on the lookout for Woodlawn out of Baton Rouge. Uh, Marcus Randall coaches that team. They got a really good quarterback uh, in Ricky Collins. Uh, so uh, a lot of great talent. That 5A poll that we put together was very difficult to put together the way it was. Um, you could have stacked any one of those teams into that number one position and, and, and not had a wrong choice. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out uh, this year. But uh, definitely – uh, going to have to keep your eye on Acadiana. I feel like they just sometimes fly below the radar, um, and but they always end up wherever, whatever side they're on, uh, they always end up as a state title contender. So it's going to be interesting to see. But again, never count out the Barbs and the Sulfurs and the Southsides as well. Uh, this is a, a great season with a lot of great storylines leading into it. Uh, I think you're going to see some shocks and some upsets. And uh, man, we're going to be there to cover it all the way. Hunter, appreciate your time as always, brother. We'll touch base with you throughout the season. Keep doing the great work with GoPreps.com, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Remy. Thank you for your time. Y'all have a good one. That's Hunter Bauer, GoPreps.com, previewing Class 5A for high school football here on RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. We asked you, what are you watching this weekend? It's a busy weekend. Tour championship is taking place there in Atlanta. Scotty Scheffler has a five-stroke lead after round number one, shot a 65. That's going on as the PGA Tour looks to crown its champion. The Saints wrap up the preseason tonight against the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Superdome. The Orioles and the Astros are going to battle it out there in the big juice box. And college football kicks off its season with week zero slate of games. We asked you, what are you watching this weekend? 49% of you are saying college football week zero. 28% say Saints preseason game. 13% say tour championship. And 10% say Orioles-Astros series. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kiddos. That's going to do it for hour number two. One final hour to go. On this edition of RP3 and Company, Travis Blaze will join us from Westminster Christian Academy. Going to talk a little Crusaders football. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
hour has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Final hour of today's show and the final hour of the week. Coming up here in hour number three, we're going to be talking New Orleans Saints football. It'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz with our guy, John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated. He covers the black and gold. That'll be coming up half an hour from right now, a little after 8.30. In about 15 minutes from right now, the final episode of Cashing Tickets with our guy, Nick Fondo, semi-pro gambler. Going to be talking about the weekend, college football week zero. Maybe also get his thoughts on LSU, get his thoughts on UL, McNeese, some stuff like that. So that'll be coming up as well. Also a reminder, don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What are you going to be watching this weekend? Is it going to be college football week zero? Is it going to be the Saints final preseason game against the Los Angeles Chargers tonight inside the Caesar Superdome? Will it be the O's Astro series at the big juice box or will it be the tour championship in Atlanta? Go vote on that. You can also leave your comments Write comments in if you'd like. We've already had some people talk about the Little League World Series. But right now, it's time for us to talk some more high school football with the man in charge of the Westminster Christian Academy Crusaders. Joining us now here in RP3 and Company is Coach Travis Blaze. Coach, good morning to you, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. Really appreciate you having us this morning and uh, excited to talk a little high school football. The season's finally here. It's finally here, brother. Let's go back to last year, though, if you don't mind, because you guys had such a great start to the season, had some struggles down the stretch, still thought you were good enough to get into the postseason. Unfortunately, you were left out. That disappointment, how have you and your staff used that as fuel for this year's team to get you guys back into the playoffs? Um, it, really, it hasn't been something that we've uh, we've used as fuel. It's just been something that, kind of sits in the back of our mind, understanding that we had an opportunity, we had four opportunities to get it done against some of the top teams of the state, and we didn't take it take care of business during those opportunities. And so um, our focus has been just growing the guys that we have and development for the immediate future, right, and, and, and of course, the short term. So we're trying to just keep building a good product and, and let the results take care of themselves. And you know, the teams that, that passed us and got in late, the 14 seed went all the way to the semifinals. So, I mean, there were some really good teams in Division Four, and that's what happens when you when you play with some of the best. So, you know, we had opportunities against four top ten opponents, and we didn't take care of business in those opportunities. And so um, being left home was just kind of part of that. Now looking back in your evaluation of your team, of your staff, and everything that happened last season, what was the big difference in those games against those top 10 teams? If you won one of those, you get into the postseason. What was the difference uh, between them and you? Well, for starters, depth. I mean, we're looking across the sideline, and, you know, there's 50 and 60 kids on these sidelines, and, you know, we went rerolled into our last game with, with 19. Um, you know, we had some injuries late, and injuries are a part of football, and, you know, you, you do your best to prepare those backups and those things, and, you know, and just inexperience. You know, we had to we had to relearn how to win football games, and we had a lot of of experiences we had to grow from. And those are four the teams four teams we lost to are four very well coached, talented, and, and 
hardworking programs, and our hats are off to them. That's why they're in the top ten. And, you know, uh, our biggest thing was, okay, if you know, you learn a lot when you lose. But, you know, and, and losing, uh, you know, I can be a sore loser, but uh, if we can learn from our losses, then it, it, then it's a valuable experience for us. And so we just had to learn how to finish ball games. I mean, each game we had a lead at some point or another, with the exception of the Opelousas Catholic game, you know, so it's just holding on to that lead and, and, and finishing a ball game, you know, so um, I, I feel good about our prospects this year. I think we can be more competitive. I'll never go out and guarantee a win. You just don't know what's going to happen the, long, the length of a football season, but I think we have a little more experience and wisdom and have the ability to be just a little bit better this year, more competitive in those type of games. More competitive in those type of games, so what has been the off-season approach to become more competitive in those said games and turn those losses into wins for your program, Coach? Well, first thing, we take a lot of pride in our strength and conditioning program over the summer, and we have a lot of guys that play both ways. And we've increased our numbers, which is huge. Um, I think some of that comes with the successes of, of the winning from last year. But now we got a little bit of depth, and now we got guys who can can get breathers and those things, and not depending on the same couple of guys and um, I think we also have the opportunity to play much better competition in the offseason. So we scheduled for me and Catholic last week for our scrimmage. Um, that's a perennial quarterfinal, semifinal team with state championship aspirations every year. And we're playing Ascension Episcopal tonight in our jamboree. That's a team with state championship aspirations. That's a developed program that's been to the state championship game. And, you know, no matter what happens in those games, it's good for our kids to be on the field with teams like that because it develops our ability to play in the big game. So now when district gets here, we're a little more prepared. We're talking with Travis Blaze, Westminster Christian Academy football coach. He joins us here on RP3 and company. Let's talk a little bit about the makeup of this team, coach. How many returning starters you have on offense and who are some of those impact players that you'll be looking to to lead your team on and off the field? So we, we returned a lot. We lost five seniors total, but in one eight, you know, that's like like losing 20 people sometimes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it is. It, it is a great group of kids, great leadership. But we bring about seven back on offense. We bring back the whole offensive line. I think that's going to be a unit that can be helpful for us. Um, I think our, our big play guy is Tyler Dejon, wide receiver. He had 44 catches last year, a lot of productivity from the slot for us. He's probably our fastest kid. Um, and he just always seems to find a way to make a big play. I mean, he had a walk-off touchdown in a scrimmage last year. He had a game-winning touchdown against Hanson last year. He had the game-winning touchdown in our spring game this year. I mean, he just always seems to find a way to make that big play for us. So he's somebody that that I thoroughly expect to, to make some more big plays this year. He's kind of taking a leadership role. Uh, like I said, our offensive line is definitely some, some people to watch. We have some, uh, some really good players up front. And then uh, – you know, we're trying to replace a lot of productivity, losing Bryant Moore, but I think it's going to be replaced by committee with three different running backs and a group of wide receivers that can make plays for us. And the guy who's probably had the best offseason out of them all is Josh Casimir, um, wide receiver for us, played a little running back last year. He's our, the big play guy for us. Hit five touchdowns in different ways last year, and he's gained a lot of weight from the weight room, had a huge offseason, and he's really taken a leadership role and taken pride in the little things. And so I do expect a big year out of him as well. I know at the 1A level, you have to have guys play both ways, especially with the numbers being what they are. But mm -hmm. who are some of those guys that on the defensive side of the football are going to be stepping up for you this year, Coach? 
Um, you know, Tyler again in the secondary is, is a good player for us. Uh, we actually we got some guys that are better on defense than offense. We got some guys that can pretty much play. Now they'll have to find a home somewhere on the other side of the ball, but um, we got some pretty good linebackers that are defensive specialists with uh, Evan Lemon, Jamari White, and Blake Richardson. You know, who could play a wide receiver for us if we need, and Blake could play a little running back, or if we really need to have an emergency, put him in the O-line. I mean, so we have some good guys on that defensive side of the ball. And then uh, I really like Bryce Guillory. Had a big year for us last year, a real tough kid, and I think he has a chance to, to have a breakout year. And then, you know, our most college-looking guy is uh, Cam Randall, you know, probably about 6'3", about 2'10". You know, he looks the part. You know, he's going to have to step up and play it this year. And, you know, so I think he can help us on the defensive side of the ball. Coach, let's talk about the Jamboree. It's it's nothing more than a scrimmage, but it is in-game scenarios, right? And it feels mm-hmm. like a game atmosphere. Uh, what are you hoping to get out of tonight's Jamboree? Well, first, just to get people on our campus and, and see all that we have to offer and that this place has a chance to be very, very special. And, you know, uh, there's, there's something there's something special about driving up with that fountain with the Ten Commandments and our, our chapel and everything. And, I think uh, our facilities are some of the best in the state, particularly for a 1A school. And so, you know, just to just to showcase what we have here. And then uh, we lined up three really good games. You know, our Lafayette campus making its 11-man football debut um, in the first game. And then uh, Episcopal Baton Rouge versus Vermillion Cavalry. That's going to be two powerhouses swinging for the fences, two teams of state championship aspirations um, in that second game. And then us against Ascension Episcopal, a game where, you know, a really good team coming back with a lot of starters and a lot of experience. Probably the best quarterback we'll see all year. Um, I think their slot receiver is the best route runner our kids have probably ever seen in person. You know, so very excited about, uh, you know, about our kids trying to slow down guys like that. And then a disciplined team where, you know, we have to go out and play well. You know, the biggest thing with the Jamboree, obviously, with all the weather we've had this week is just, you know, making sure this thing goes off and that, you know, we still have everything that we want. You know, we've had a lot of time invested into it, so we're looking forward to a, a, there's going to be a good product on the field. It's just, you know, hoping the weather cooperates a little bit. And you don't tear up your field too much, right? I mean, that's the other I, thing. That's a, that's a us problem. You know, that's what I was joking with somebody earlier. I said, hey, if the field's torn up, that's a us problem. We play we play a home game week one, and then we don't play again on it till week four. So it'll have a chance to recover. Our field drains incredibly well, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about mud, but, We'll have the roller ready to go as soon as our as soon as our game's over. I'm gonna have somebody rolling that field. We'll be uh be getting it ready for next week. You open up the season at home against Jenneret, and then you're at the on the road, Grand Lake, Hanson Memorial, then back home, like you said, for Hamilton Christian, and then you're gonna play at Delcom to wrap up your yes, non district slate. And then it's district and you know the teams that you have to face, coach. O C uh Sacred Heart. North North Sacred Heart, St. Ed's, and St. Ed's Catholic Point Capete. Just how talented and deep is District Six One A? I think this is for for one in terms of uh, in terms of one A districts. I think it's one of the best in the state. Um, certainly, you know when you're looking at when you're looking at just depth and quality. I mean, we went six and four. We finished second to last in district last year. You know, and and so uh, all of our teams were in the the top ten in the playoffs or whatever it was, and um, it's just a, a good group of coaches collectively. It, it's schools that are supported well by their communities. 
you know, and so it's uh, it's definitely an honor to play in this district, and, and people don't want to come to this district because it's so tough and competitive. It's not just football. It's a great baseball district, and then, you know, you got North Central sitting right there in the basketball district, you know, always ready to go, and so, I mean, it, it's I, I like I said, I think it's one of the best in the state personally, and, and that's why we kind of scheduled a little tougher this year because we can't, you know, we're going to play teams with with good traditions and those things because that's going to prepare us for what we're going to see in district. So, Coach, appreciate your time as always. Best of luck tonight. Hope the weather holds for your jamboree there on campus, and then best of luck throughout the season. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Y'all come out tonight and support. First games at five. That's Travis Blaze, Westminster Christian Academy head football coach. Look, his team started off great last year. They had some struggles down the stretch. If they would have won just one more game, they would have been in the playoffs. They got left out. So his team, they're not really focusing on it because it's a new season. But you know for some of those kids, missing out on the postseason, motivating factor when they're in that weight room, when they're out there doing their conditioning drills, pushing them to another level. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for the final edition of Cashing Tickets with Nick Fontenot. Our guy Salty Steve is upset right now, crying. He loves, this is his favorite segment of the week. Last one, though. Coming up right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Tired of having your pockets emptied out due to bad sports bets? 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Listen up, because it's time to take down some notes and get paid with advice from semi-pro gambler Nick Fontenot. I get so nervous when I gamble. I'm so silly. Here is cashing tickets on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Seems fitting. (laughs) <laughs> final edition of cashing tickets with our guy mr nicholas fontenot sir good morning how are you i'm i don't know what just happened <laughs> uh, live radio happened bud live radio the, the, the beauty the beauty of live radio that's what happened all right so Week zero has arrived. The matchups are horrendous. I mean, we're talking getting excited about Vandy, Hawaii, Nebraska, Northwestern in Ireland, Illinois versus Wyoming. But for a gambler, you have college football to bet on. What games are you putting money on this weekend, brother? Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's just about getting the season started, right? Getting you excited. Get, it's a little tease, right? You, you're going to get to turn the TV on and see those those logos on the screen. You're going to watch some football. So um, what games am I excited about? Uh, none of them. <laughs> they're, not, they're not very exciting. But, you know, every game that is on the TV, every game that plays is, uh, is an opportunity to make money. So um, you're looking at that Nebraska-Northwestern game. That's kind of the one everybody's watching. They're playing in Ireland. So it's a you know kind of a novelty game. Uh, Nebraska coming off a really bad year. Northwestern maybe coming back to the pack. So that eleven and a half spread right there is looking kind of kind of good to take the points because I think that game could go either way. And so I don't think it's going to be 
uh, a double-digit win for Nebraska, even if they do win the game. So uh, I like Northwestern plus 11.5. But getting excited for for these games, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It's just it's one of those things where they're just kind of giving you a little taste of college football and getting you ready for the season. You said Nebraska's coming off a bad year. Hasn't that been the case for 10 years? I'm just I'm – just... <laughs> They've been they've been rebuilding for ten years and and they're out of Martinez's. There's no more Martinez's that they can put a quarterback. I think they've had a, a Martinez quarterback in that team for like twelve years or something like that. So they're turning it over to a new guy. But uh, I feel like Northwestern in that game to cover the spread. How much of a degenerate do you have to be to watch all the games this weekend? Like you, like you, it's going to be appointment viewing to watch Hawaii Vandy. Well, that's the number one telltale sign of a degenerate is Hawaii. It's always that. Those are the degenerates, the people that are watching the Hawaii game. Because you watch that whole slate of Saturday games every single week, and then about 11.30, that Hawaii game kicks off. That's your last chance to, to either make it, have a good weekend or, or, or catch up on some money that, that you might have lost. But the, the Hawaii game is always the sign. If you're into the Hawaii game or looking forward to the Hawaii game, you're either from Honolulu or you're just a degenerate gambler. That's all there is to it. Let's look at the teams that we care the most about here in college football. Let's start off with LSU. Brian Kelly era begins. They have some talent at wide receiver, at quarterback. I don't think it really matters who they pick there. I think they're very similar in what they're going to be able to bring to the table. He's revamped this roster. He's trying to revamp the culture. Over, under. What's the over, under on wins, and how are you betting it? The over under is right, right where it should be. It's at seven, and I, and I and that's and that's kind of where I, where I think it, it needs to be because it's a perfect kind of kind of testament of, of, of where the season is going to be. I think they have an opportunity to win nine, maybe ten games. I also think I wouldn't be surprised if they win, they go seven and five, or, or go or six and six, or have a really bad season. It could really go either way. And so you know, if you're sitting there at the end of the season, and you're looking at LSU and and, you know, they have nine or ten wins. They have a, a couple of big wins in the SEC West. They're going to a nice bowl game. That wouldn't be too shocking. I mean, they have a lot of talent on the team. But if you look at them and, you know, they, they lost all the games they that are a 50% chance to win. Like, they lose the Florida game and they lose the A&M game and they, they just lose Alabama and just lose all of those toss-up games. Then they're sitting there at 7-5. and five. So, the, the the line is seven, seven and a half. You can get it at some place. If, if you want to take the over, if you're feeling good about the Tigers, take it. But I think the I think Vegas nailed that line because seven seven wins, seven and a half wins, that's right where the Tigers should be right now because um, I, I don't know if we can really tell too much about where they're going to be heading the first year in the Kelly. With that being the win total that Vegas says, does that make the opener against Florida State a week from Sunday a must win then? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they if they drop that game, that, that's what that's kind of what I was saying. Some of those toss up games, Florida State's a perfect example. Now, I think they're going to be a a nicely sized favorite against the Seminoles, and I think they should win that game, especially being in New Orleans right down the road. But but yeah, absolutely. If Florida State comes into the Superdome and and takes that game, then you're you're not looking good if you bet the over. So they're going to have to win some of those toss up games. You know, they. They've had A&M's number the, the the majority of the time that A&M's been in the SEC. They're going to have to win that game this year. Florida's coming up with Billy Napier at, at the head coach. They're kind of in a similar spot to LSU. They're going to have to win that game. If you want to hit that total of seven, seven and a half, it's probably where you're going to get it at most sports books. If you want to hit that total, they're going to have to beat Florida. They're going to have to beat Florida State. If they drop any one of those games, I think it's going to be tough for them to get the eight wins. 
let's come to a little closer to home. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, just like LSU, first year coach at the helm, a new head coach, but a lot of personnel carries over from the previous year. Win total. What's the win total, projected win total for the Raging Cajuns, and how are you betting on the Vermilion and White? Eight and a half on the Cajuns. You know, I, I think it's right where it needs to be, right? I think Vegas nails these numbers so much. You know, they have the longest winning streak in, in Division One. They, they, they've had a very successful run, but a new head coach, a new quarterback. I mean, I don't think we can underestimate how much Levi Lewis and the stability of that position has meant to the success they've had over the last two or three years. Now you're bringing in Chandler Fields. We don't know much about him. Is he going to be, uh, you know, the, the the guy that's going to take them to uh, even bigger things than than where they've gone? So it's been a really good run for the Cajuns. But historically, you know, the program has been around that seven to eight win uh, plateau since the the Hud Smith and Napier area. So um, eight and a half is right where it should be. I would. I would probably bet the over. I think they're gonna they're gonna be good. I don't know if they're gonna get to, to double digit wins, but eight and a half is is a pretty good number for the Cajuns. So going over would probably be where I go there. So I, I'm thinking over on the Tigers and the Cajuns. I think both of them both of those numbers are set right. But I kind of I kind of like uh, having the the positivity or the optimism, if you will, as a fan to bet the overs on both of those. Now. Division one football obviously is easily you can easily place bets on. What is the world of betting on from the FCS level? I'm talking McNeese, Southeastern Louisiana, Southland Conference, the SWAC with Grambling and Southern. Uh, what's the betting like there? You can find it, and more sports books are adding it to their, I guess their board, so that you can you can bet them, but. Um, you know, if you're an old school gambler like 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 I am, you know, I've been gambling since I was in college, twenty something years. You couldn't find FCS games, and even when the big schools were playing FCS schools, you couldn't even bet on those games. So, you know, when Alabama plays, uh, you know, uh, say if Alabama were playing uh, McNeese or somebody like that, you couldn't bet that game just because they didn't want to. It's all about the risk of foul play right that's what that's what it's all about so when you when you're playing against those lower schools that don't have as much uh, as much funding or as much uh, you know stuff going behind them then they want to take those off the board that's why you normally can't bet on women's basketball that's why you normally can't bet on college baseball until until the playoffs start because there's more risk for somebody to get a hold of one of these players maybe do a point shaving scandal or some kind of something like that so they take those off the board nowadays with, with Gambling being more legal and NIL and all this stuff going on, it's more common to find FCS. But it's really tough if, you, if you're betting with the bigger sports books like FanDuel and DraftKings. You're probably not going to find them on a week-to-week basis. But every now and then, you can get those FCS games. It's just a little bit tougher to find the find the lines. Brother, this has been a blast. Us hanging out for the better part of, of a year talking sports bet. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you educating me a little bit more about sports betting. And my friend, I hope you have a tremendous weekend, and I hope you make a ton of money on that Vandy Hawaii game. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks, thanks for letting me do it. Thanks for having us, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fun time. So, uh, hope y'all have a good season, Rick. You too, brother. That's Nick Fondo joining us there for the final cashing tickets segment. Reminder: College football is back. Week zero has arrived. 
And it's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place the same gay parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one like which team is going to win and which team is going to score first and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get yourself $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes do vary. One per new customer and Minimum $5 deposit and wager. Your $200 are going to be issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time to talk to John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated. Because it'll be time to talk New Orleans Saints football for the Big Easy Blitz. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Final preseason game for the Saints is going to be tonight inside the sold-out Caesars Superdome. To break it all down for us and to tell us what battles are still going on and who's fighting to remain on that 53-man roster is the man who covers the New Orleans Saints for Sports Illustrated. Our good friend John J. Hendricks joins us now. John, good morning to you, brother. How you feel? Good morning. I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Before we dive into the position battles and guys that are on the roster bubble and, and all that good jazz, the Saints also unveiled their game plans, the update on the renovation project. Can you summarize that for us and, and where it stands right now in the process? Because I know it's going to take multiple years and how the renovation project is going to impact fans this season. Yeah, so the biggest things are that, you know, this season it's, it's, they've got some more work that they're doing, obviously. What they're doing is they're trying to get everything ready for 2025 when the Super Bowl comes and that New Orleans is hosting and stuff. So they put in a lot of extra things um, this season. You know, they're, they're widening concourses. They've got some atrium entrances that they're working on. So uh, as far as, like, this year, basically, you know, what they're doing is they've established some uh, magnetometers, I think is what it is, that, that, you know, allow easier access to get in with the control point. They've added some point-of-sale updated systems to where it makes it a little bit faster for the transactions, um, basically put some different things outside to accommodate the loss of some club lounges that they've had, portable food services, another one, portable restrooms. Um, and so, I mean, really to say all that, to say that you know, things are a little bit different this season. Um, there's going to be some areas of the dome that are walled off that you can't get access to. And so if you're a season ticket holder or if you're going to a regular season game, 
the biggest thing I could tell you is make sure you have the Saints app downloaded. Make sure you follow the plan to go in because that's going to make sure that um, it's the easiest way to get in and the fastest way because this season you can't wait, you know, 20 minutes to kick off and then expect to get in for kickoff, right? I mean, you just got to be a little bit a little bit more lenient with your time and, and just kind of say, okay, well, I'll get in a little bit earlier than I normally would. But a lot of cool things coming. They're going to put new bars in the mezzanines, bars in different levels. And, um, you know, the only thing that I don't think is impacted right now is the 600. So maybe they'll get a, a facelift one day too. It's not going to impact seating, right? We're not going to lose seating for this season no. at all? No. No. Okay. Nothing on it is going to impact seating. This is all just other things that they're doing around the Dome. So nothing regarding the seating is going to be impacted this season. All right. Thank you for that, brother. Needed some clarification there. Uh, how great is the fact that the team in uh, in the midst of this renovation project decides to put up a, a temporary wall talking about how its escalators are going to be 28.3 times faster to get you to where you need to get. Uh, the trolling of the Falcons is even now part of the renovation project. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's a, a big thing. You know, I remember when I was in – you know, and again, I'm not trying to take shots at the Falcons because they meant well, but, you know, one of the things that they did it was try to pay homage to Tom Benson a while back after he passed away inside the Atlanta Stadium. And they misspelled rivalry, or they misspelled rivalry and put rivalry, right? You know, instead of rivalry. They couldn't even get that right. So it's just, you know, these are two teams that, you know, obviously hate each other and a lot of stuff that goes on and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's not surprising to see that that's going to continue to live on because that was their chance to have a Super Bowl and they they didn't get it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's how it, the cookie crumbles, so to say. And, you know, you blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl, everybody's going to remember that. That's never something that's going to go away. All right, bud, let's actually talk about the team as it enters its final preseason game. Defensive secondary is absolutely stacked with talented guys, experienced guys, and, and some young guys, but a ton of talent. How many DBs are they going to carry, and who's on the bubble heading into roster cutdown day? Yeah, look, I think defensive backs preset. The only thing I'm concerned about right now is Alante Taylor not not being around. Um, you know, again, he's dealing with like a help flexor, and so um, just kind of concerned because I mean he's been around at practice. He's starting to integrate himself in a little bit more, but you know, look, he's not going to play. Uh, I would be highly shocked if guys like that are going to play. Marshawn Lattimore, another one. You know, uh, PJ Williams, another one. But you know, look, I think when you look at corner, if you're putting the roster together right now, you know it's. It's going to be Lattimore. It's going to be a Devo. It's going to be uh, Roby, and then obviously Taylor at corner. Safety wise, pretty easy. Um, I think the only questions are what do you do at the five and six position because you're going to have obviously Marcus May, Iron Matthew. You're going to have C.J. Gardner Johnson. You're going to have P.J. Williams, and then so five. It could be. I think Justin Evans has done enough to to get that spot. I don't know if they keep Daniel Sorensen as well as veteran guy, but. You know, before I thought Bryce Thompson was somebody that could make the roster, but he got hurt, and I don't see anybody else that's at that safety spot that you would put. So I think it's when you look at those decisions, do you keep a, a six safety, or and which safety do you, do you keep? Right now, I'd say it's Justin Evans, just because of everything he's been able to do with this team. So I think that's pretty easy to clear cut for everybody to go and say, okay, this is no surprise at the safety spot and the corner spot. DeMario is an all-pro at linebacker. Pete Werner has shown potential, but he's banged up. 
who's fighting to make the team at that linebacker spot, possibly as a starter or at least as the primary backup in the Saints' uh, nickel defense? Yeah, look, I mean, really, honestly, it, it, you got Davis and Warner that are the safe options along with Caden Ellis, who's looked really good in training camp, somebody that nobody's really talking about much. Behind him, I, you know, that's a question mark, right? I think Andrew Dow, special teams, I, I think he gets in. He's been doing a lot of good work, and I think it's going to come down to – do you keep the veteran Eric Wilson, or do you take a chance on the undrafted rookie in Nephi Sewell? I think Sewell's a guy that's come on a lot. He plays with a lot of heart. He's a bit undersized, but, man, you just couldn't tell with the way he plays. I really like Eric Wilson. He's done a lot of work with the ones. He's a veteran in this league. He's had triple-digit tackles. That's kind of where I would lean. I think Sewell, at worst case, is a practice squad priority guy. Um, you know, look, John Bosta came on late. I don't know that he's going to crack it. Chase Hansen was a guy who's last in Houston. He's been hurt. He's, his roster chances are kind of dwindling here, obviously. But, you know, look, I, I could see them keeping both Wilson and Sewell depending on how they they shape up that special teams unit. But right now, if you're going to have to ask me, I'd go with a veteran right now over the undrafted guy if I was putting together the final roster. D-line, let's talk a little bit about that. That may be the deepest group, position group besides DB that the Saints have. Tonight's game what are you wanting to see out of that group in particular? What are you wanting to see out of Peyton Turner, who's shown flashes but has been inconsistent and has been banged up? Yeah, I just want to see how they do against the run tonight, right? I think last, you know, last game against Packers, they got fooled on on that Danny Antling naked boot, and obviously some of the runs it just wasn't that good, you know. And so, look, I know that they're stacked at that position, right? And I know. Malcolm Roach is a guy that's come on, and he's going to make this team, right? I think him, Contavious Street, Shai Tuttle, David Animato are your guys on the interior. Albert Huggins is a guy fighting for inter- you know practice squad. Jordan Jackson, one of the draft picks, he's on the practice squad, right? He's not going to make the final roster. Um, you know, they have other guys at the edge position that have been intriguing, like Nico Lalos, um, the guy they added late. Marcus Davenport is a guy that obviously he's been integrating more in team drills. I think he's going to be good to go. I'm not sure if we'll see him in big action tonight, but that's something to pay attention to. I don't think Taco Charlton's going to make it. It's, it's, it's pretty much, you know, Turner, Davenport, Jordan, Granderson, uh, and then obviously you've got Peyton Turner and, and, um, and Tano. You know, those are the guys, obviously, that you would say for this final roster. But, you know, just tonight I want to see them do better in the run defense, um, get some pressure a little bit more. You know, those are things that, you know, and obviously no penalties. Those are the big three that I would say defensively I want to see the most tonight. Talking with John J. Hendricks, covers the New Orleans Saints for Sports Illustrated. He joins us here on the Big Easy Blitz. Let's go to the offensive side of the football. Obviously, your starters are set across the O-line, but Young, the second-year player out of Kentucky, they like him. He could possibly be the sixth offensive lineman or seventh offensive lineman. Uh, what do we think is going to shake out there for the offensive line in particular with their depth? Yeah, look, I think the biggest question is now, you know, with Landon Young hurt, is he going to be somebody that gets jumped by Lewis Kidd? I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, and I know they like Landon Young a lot. And Lewis Kidd is a guy that maybe if they keep nine offensive linemen, he, or, you know, or, or eight, he's the guy that gets in. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with Nick Martin. He's a backup center. We really don't talk a lot about, you know, backups to Eric McCoy. But, you know, look, he's a guy that maybe you keep around, can flex inside, play guard a little bit. You know, they have uh, a lot of veterans at that particular position. But, you know, really, it's James Hurst at left tackle. He's around the facilities. So that's the good news. I don't think he's 
uh, in jeopardy of losing his spot, you know, on this roster or anything like that as far as the starting position goes. Um, I know that Trevor Penning has made leaps and bounds and gotten better. You know, Calvin Throckmorton would be a, a guy that you have as a backup interior guy. And the reason why I like Lewis Kidd is because he can play inside and he can play outside. And so uh, I think between him and Nick Martin, those are probably the question marks because, you know, it's, it's Hurst, Ramchek, McCoy, Ruiz, and Pete that's going to start. Penning is another solid option at tackle. Landon Young would be a backup to Ramchek, Brock Morton at guard. And then, you know, is it Nick Martin or Lewis Kidd? That's kind of where my thoughts would be. Wide receiver. How's it going to shake out? Who's on the bubble entering tonight's game? Yeah, look, I think this is five right now. I think it's um, it's Thomas, it's Alave, Landry. That's no surprise there. I think it's Deontay Hardy at four, and I think it's Traquan Smith at five. Uh, I know they like Mark West Callaway a lot. I just don't know if he's going to be sticking around as a six-wide receiver. And I know it's intriguing because Kirk Merritt has played some running back, and, you know, again, he's kind of making this late surge, this late push, but I just don't think it's enough to make the final roster. And, and I know some people have put him on there. I, I, I have a tough time thinking keeping him off, but – you know, at the same time, Callaway's a guy that plays special teams. He can return punts, too. He can return kicks. He can do a lot of different things for you. And so I think Callaway's in facing an important game tonight. I think Kirk Merritt is obviously facing an important game tonight. Um, you know, local guy, Dejon Dixon, I think he's obviously going to be practice squad material. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at assembling the final roster right now, I'd say maybe you keep five, maybe upwards of six if you decide to put Callaway on there. Yeah, and Dixon's made things interesting for Callaway and the others, hasn't he? Because the way he's been playing. Yeah, look, the biggest thing for Dixon is is he's doing great as far as receiving goes. That's never been really an issue. He's got to be better at special teams. I mean, that's something that Dennis Allen has talked about. It's just, you know, being in a position, whether you're playing gunner, jammer, or you're just uh, covering kicks, whatever the case may be. He's just got to work on that aspect, and I don't think he's there yet. Um, but, you know, it's intriguing because, like I said, I think he's got a, a bright future ahead of him. And some teams are going to see that, and, and I think the Saints know that. But, I, again, at this point, you're looking at the practice squad for somebody like them. What day is the day for the final 53-man roster to be set, John? I believe it's Tuesday is when the uh, the day is. And don't hold me to that. I'm pretty sure that sounds about right. Um, but, you know, there's obviously some things to sort out, like if they have any potential trade suitors or anything like that. But they're going to have to be go from 80 to 53 and then after that, um, you have to worry about, you know, working out your your uh, your, your practice squad. Obviously, it's a Thursday or th- uh, Tuesday, the thirtieth, I believe. That's when you have to go from eighty to fifty-three. John, enjoy the final preseason game. Enjoy your weekend, brother. Charge up those batteries because you're going to need it, man. It's going to be a gauntlet of a season, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bud. Thanks. Appreciate you. It's John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated covers the New Orleans Saints joining us here for the Big Easy Blitz. We got to take a timeout, our final one of today's show and of the week. When we return, the game changer of the week phone call. We'll finalize the poll question. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 
to Chops Specialty Meats, a brand new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Oh, as we wrap up this week's slate of shows, it's time for us to crown our game changer of the week, and that belongs to Chad. Here is this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on, Chad, to the show. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? When Brian Kelly gets to the podium and he, and he says John Emery has done everything we've asked of him uh, and more, to me it's an NCAA uh, issue. Like, how does Reed Gilbert uh, qualify when he goes to uh, to Georgia? And all, I, I think it's – I mean, he, did, he's, he missed all of last season. Uh, I think there's more more I, I don't know what's going on with that man. I think the NCA is just an, is acting like NCA uh, how they do. But Chad, uh, but Chad, Chad, let me ask you this, Chad, let me step in and, 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 and call me rigid on this, if you will. The kid knows what he has to do in the classroom before he steps foot on campus. Okay, so I, I get kids struggle. I'm a guy that dropped out of college and had to go back in my 30s to get my degree. I understand that it's a challenge. But all these kids, every single kid that goes and plays college athletics understands they have to remain academically eligible. They're told about it over and over again when they're in high school all the way through. Is there an excuse for a guy that's been in the program for three years not to be academically eligible? Is there any excuse? Right. So Brian Kelly, as academically as – much as he is, why did why does he why did he say yesterday that he's done everything we've asked him to and that he can't comment on the rest? No, that's Chad. That that's a valid question, but that's not my point. The, he's done everything they've asked for him to do to get back to being academically and, and eligible. More, and more. What, but but Chad, Chad, it's not a witch hunt by the NCAA. Okay, you, don't you think put so, yourself. You don't think, they, you don't think the Chad, NCAA Chad, is not at fault at all and Chad, does nothing wrong? Chad, Chad. It's not what I'm saying. Simmer down. It's not what I'm saying. It's Monday, bud. You got to pace yourself, first of all. Second of all. I'm paceful. I'm paceful. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, bud. You're making me worried about you now. You made it smally Monday. One more question. Do you think all these kids that transfer two or three times, you think uh, a lot of these kids are academically uh, eligible? I'll just hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, chat. That was this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer of the Week. Chad set the table for the week, and that's why he's the game changer of the week. I love a good back and forth on the air. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, James Yasko from the Lima Time Time Podcast, Hunter Bauer from GoPreps.com, Travis Blaze, the Westminster Christian Academy head football coach, Nick Fondo for the final cashing tickets, and John J. Hendricks from SI talking all things New Orleans Saints. Poll question of the day. What are you watching this weekend? Winning the vote. 50% of you say college football week zero. 25% say Saints preseason game. 15% the tour championship. And 10% O's Strohs at the Big Juice Box. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts the third. We'll do it all again on Monday, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.